Welcome to the sermon podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's Word. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Well, good morning, Canton Church. How are ya? That's nice. Good. So a fun fact about me and my family that a lot of you probably don't know is that we used to live in Colorado. So and when I say me and my family, I mean me, my wife, and like our three kids as they are. So we moved back to Georgia uh, summer 2016. And specifically, we lived in Colorado Springs. Now, if you've never uh, ventured out that way and gone to the springs, as the locals call it, uh, there's, a, there's a little mountain located there by the name of Pike's Peak. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if you've never seen it, there's nothing little about it. It is gigantic. You know, you like come over the hill coming south from Denver and it's just like boom right there. It's like a towering sentinel and here's the little town with all the people and it's like standing guard. The, the view of this mountain is so majestic that way back in 1893, it moved a Massachusetts teacher to, to write something. Her name was Catherine Lee Bates. She was a college teacher, and there's a, there's a school in Colorado Springs called Colorado College. She had taken a, a summer position there, so she traveled 2,000 miles from Massachusetts all the way across the United States to teach there for the summer. And her trip impacted her life so much. She was, she was filled with inspiration that when she saw the mountain, she immediately had to, ha, had to take out her pen and write you may know these words. She began to, to write down, O beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain, for purple mountain majesties above the fruited plain. America, America, God shed his grace on thee and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. But here's the thing about it, Catherine Lee Bates didn't set set out to write America the Beautiful, which it wasn't, it didn't even start off like that. It was titled Pike's Peak long before it was, it became the song that we know and love today. All she was doing was getting on a train, going to Colorado Springs to teach a summer class. You know, and I think that we can take a look at that story and, you know, we hear stories that are like that, that they're true, or we take a look at our heroes, and we see the things that they're doing and accomplishing, and we say, man, I want to do that. But so- somehow, we forget that there's this expanse between where we are now and what we think that we want to do later. That expanse is called process, and it was true for you and me. It was true for Catherine Lee Bates. So let's, let's just take a look at that journey for just a quick second. You know, 2,000 miles in the 1890s is not like 2,000 miles today, right? So let, let's just pretend that she had the best contract that money could offer, and she was afforded top-notch transportation from Massachusetts to Colorado Springs. That means that she got there by steam engine, and stagecoach. So the steam engines of that day, I, I looked this up. If you were on the highest tech locomotive possible, 
you're only going about 100 miles a day. So if that was true, if they didn't have any other stops and they went all the way through, that means from Massachusetts to Colorado, it was 20 days at the beginning of the summer with no air conditioning, no heat, and if she didn't have a bed, she was like sitting in her seat. It'd be the equivalent of being on a plane for 20 days and sleeping in your chair. That's awful, right? So that was her process to get there. But for you and me, I believe that we come here this morning and God is all calling us to do something. I believe that we have our own mountains that God wants to accomplish in and through our lives. But like Catherine Lee Bates and, as, and others that we'll see as the sermon goes along, if we're not ready and willing to submit ourselves to the process that takes us from point A to point B, we'll never get there. You know, here's the fact. God wants to do things in your life that are greater than you ever could imagine, but you might have to do some stuff along the way that you don't like and stay faithful in that in order to get to where God wants you to be. Now, now let's look at the Apostle Paul. We've been talking about him, you know, off and on in our series on divine direction. The first week, Pastor Jeremy talked about how God is more concerned with who you are rather than what you are doing. You know, he asked the question, is your arrow pointing you in a direction that will take you to God or is it pointing in a direction that will take you away from God? Then last week, Pastor Jeremy spoke on the wisdom to decide. Now, the, the next step is we're going to talk about trusting the process to get to where God wants us to be. So let's go to Acts chapter 20, verse 22 and 24. Uh, this is talking about the Apostle Paul here. and This kind of catalogs the story of him. He was preaching in Ephesus. He was ministering at a church there. It was a successful church. He was doing a lot of good. But the Holy Spirit began to stir something up in him. And th this, is what, this is what he says. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. I believe that everybody under the sound of my voice is in process somewhere in their life. Maybe you're in the process of obtaining a goal. Maybe you're just in the process of going through a tough time. Or maybe you're in the process of wrestling with God and you really don't know whether or not you want to serve Christ. But wherever you are, whatever the process that, that you're in, I assure you that God has you in that process and he wants you to finish that process. So we're going to take a look at four keys that will kind of help us know the, the steps of process, and that way, hopefully, we can be better at, at finishing what we start. So the first step is paying attention to the Spirit's prompting. You know, the Bible said that Paul was compelled by the Spirit. Now, he's going to Jerusalem. And like I said, Paul didn't have any reason to leave Ephesus. There was not 
anything going on. Paul had not done anything. It, in, in, in some ways, it didn't make sense other than just the, the, the stirring inside God's spirit or the stirring of the spirit of God inside Paul. Now, I take a look at my life, and there have been several times where I have heeded the stirring of the Spirit of God inside of me. And sometimes when I was doing what I knew that God had called me to do, had wanted me to do, there were people in my life that didn't like it. You know, persecution is going to come. We'll talk about that more a little bit later. But so many times when we think about, when we say things like the Spirit's calling me to do this, or I feel compelled by the Spirit to do that, like we associate that with some great big huge thing in our life, like a move, changing jobs, you know, whatever. But the Spirit of God loves you so much that He wants to talk to you on a daily basis. The Spirit of God will compel you to make decisions in everyday life. I had something like that happen to me this past week. You know, we had, how many people had kids stay home from school this week? Bless your hearts. Tuesday came, all right? So the threat of bad weather, uh, you know, we, had, we were working here at the church. 4.30 came. It's time to go. So we all got out on the road, and here was my, my thing, you know. It's like after the new year, and I'm trying to get back in the gym, and that's a process. I know where I want to be body-wise, so I have to submit myself to that process, right? So I didn't want to skip the gym, but there was something. It was 42 degrees. It was kind of cloudy. I was wrestling with this thing. God, I really want to go to the gym. But something inside me said, Matt, is, you're going to regret it. If you go, if I'm honest with with you, so I was, and the the thing the check in my spirit had was if it started snowing, twenty is going to be a disaster, and we live in Cartersville, so we I go twenty every day. Twenty is always a disaster, right? So add snow, terrible. So I said, okay, I'm I'm not going to go to the gym. Well, I left Canton. It was 42 degrees and you know partly cloudy or whatever. Well, by the time I got to Cartersville, it was 32 degrees and snowing to beat the band. So I was like, hmm, made the right call on that one. But it would, that was just a, a, a little thing that God spoke into my life with, and he'll do the same thing for you. The moral of that story is that whenever the Holy Spirit is prompting you and talking to you about anything, pay attention. Just pay attention. God loves you. He wants to talk to you. He's, he's telling you these things for a really good reason. So I would ask you now that what is God's spirit prompting you to do as you come in the door this morning? What do you think that God wants you to do? Maybe, maybe he's calling you into a deeper relationship with him. Maybe he's calling you to join a serving team. Maybe he's calling you, you know, it's life group launch Sunday. Maybe he wants you to, to start a life group. Maybe he wants you to join a life group. Maybe God wants you to start a business. Maybe he wants you to start writing a book. What is the Holy Spirit prompting you to do today? Now, follow that question up by asking, what's stopping you from doing it? You know, process is painful. 
Guys, let's just get everything out on the table. More often than not, God uses process in our lives to get the nasty junk and impurities out so that we, could, so, so that we can come out refined and better. You know, it's like, it's like refining gold or working with metal. How many, of you, how many of you guys out there watch either Forged in Fire or Gold Rush? Two of my favorite shows, I'm just saying. So on bo- both of those shows, like, it involves heat and metal, and I, I love that kind of stuff. Uh, I've got a cross at home that I welded back in the day. is really manly. So um, <laughs> weighs 40 pounds. So, but... Anyways, so when, when they mine gold or they're ready to work, work with metal, like there, there's a, a vessel called a crucible. And you put like raw ore and stuff inside of this and this crucible gets really, really hot. And while it gets really hot, all the impurities come up to the top. And when it cools down, it's called slag. They break it out of the crucible, knock off the slag, and you've got a pure piece of silver or gold or whatever you're trying to purify. Guys, when you find yourself melting in the crucible of process, remembering why the Spirit prompted you to do whatever you're doing, to go through whatever you're going through, can help you endure refinement to the end to where all that's left is pure gold. Trust the process by heeding the Spirit's prompting. Now, keep in mind that just because you trust the process and you're following the Spirit's prompting doesn't mean that you're going to know 100% how it's going to play out. That's where faith comes in and trusting God. Now, the second thing I want to talk to you about in this process of learning about processes, you see what I did there, is certain uncertainty. That just means when God is taking you from here to there, you're probably only going to see steps one and two. Steps three and four, they might be around the bend. And you know what? For, like, I'll go ahead and fess up. For, for, folks, for folks like me, that's, that's tough. So I like to think that I'm a fairly strategic person. My wife may or may not have a different opinion of that. Um, but, you know, I'm always concerned about step one and two because ultimately steps five and six are going to be affected by it. And the, the issue is that so, sometimes we're so caught up and so focused in on steps five and six that... Steps one and two aren't executed the way that they need to be executed. You know, this is what the Bible says about that. And I take great comfort in this. I hope you do too. Psalms 119.105 says, The word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for our path. God doesn't promise to shine a spotlight on your future, but he does promise to light your path. You might not know what's coming up around the corner, but you'll know which foot to step in front of the other and which hole to navigate around that's right in front of you. You know, and if you find yourself like, you know, guilty of worrying about what's going to come up or the future a lot more, don't feel bad. 
you're in some pretty good company. You know, there was a guy by the name of Luke Skywalker that had the same problem. You know, and he, like everybody else, he went to his mentor, a little green dude named Yoda. And in a movie called The Empire Strikes Back, this is what Yoda says to uh, Luke Skywalker. He says, this one, a long time have I watched. All his life, he's looked away towards the future, the horizon. Never his mind on where he was. Hmm? What he was doing. I knew you'd like that part. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not, ins- I'm, I'm not insinuating that God's a little green dude with mad lightsaber skills, but I do believe this. I do believe that God is looking down on us, and he's saying, you will get where I want you to be much quicker if you just focus on what I have put in front of you now. <coughs> Living by faith, Guys, that means that there's going to be all types of uncertainty. But as a person of faith, you'll never be devoid of peace. Because God promises that he will give you the peace that passes all understanding. That means that you'll be going through the storm and you'll be okay. And other people will be like, good Lord, I would have, you know, done tore all my hair out. And you're okay. You know, that's because we serve a God who cares about us. He's got good things in store for you. He's got plans to prosper you, not to harm you. He wants to give you a hope and a future. God also promises us that if we wait on him during those times, keep our focus on God, that we will mount up on wings as eagles. We will walk and never faint. No matter how hard or difficult, whatever it is that you're going through, whatever process is going on becomes, we serve a God that has promised never to leave you or forsake you. And it was the same God that sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross so that you and I could have a relationship with him so that we could let go of the weight of worrying about the future and we can hold on to the life preserver of faith because God is the one who's got it under control. And if we just put our faith in him, everything will work out okay. So let me ask. What's God put in front of your face that you're ignoring? And are you ignoring it because you're so consumed with what's coming down the road six months or 12 months? Which one is it? So now we've we've heeded the Spirit's prompting. We're fairly comfortable with the fact that there's going to be a certain level of uncertainty. Well, that's enough. I mean, that, that's got to be it, right? Well, uh, to quote one of my favorite preachers, uh, Dr. Mark Rutland, think again, sport. All you've done up to this point, really, is you've made it to the gym, you've changed clothes in the locker room, and you're on your way to lift weights or exercise or whatever. Because if you haven't experienced it already, resistance and adversity are on the way. Which brings us to number three, predictable resistance. Going back to the Bible, Acts 20, verse 23. I only know that in every city, 
the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Get this point if you're taking notes. Don't underestimate the importance of resistance while you are in process. I'm going to say that again. Don't underestimate the importance of resistance while you are in process. It's tempting to think that just because things get hard or just because things get a little bit difficult means that you're out of the will of God. You know, we, we, we think that when we're serving God, everything's got to be just a-okay. But oftentimes, the very fact that it's difficult and hard means that you're just where God wants you to be. Because here's like, God is growing you. And strength cannot grow without resistance, whether it's spiritual or physical. I knew a guy, one time I worked out with him when we were in Minot, North Dakota. His name was Gary Clock. He, the first time I saw him, he was over 60 years old, and he was on the deadlifting platform, deadlifting 500 pounds. He did the same thing, the squat rack, the next day. So I walked up, I had to introduce myself to him, and you know, we, we became friends. And I finally asked him, I said, Gary, you're over 60 years old. How can you do this? I'm thinking, oh, man, easy. steroids, right? No, Gary said, man, I've been injured more times than you can think, but, but I've just never quit. I've just, I've just kept going. He just didn't stop. Strength is built over time. And guys, when you're in the middle of that process and, and you're fighting, remember that you're building the strength of character strength of integrity and experience that is needed for you to summit the mountain that God has called you to. But it's only built over time and by submitting yourself faithfully to the process that God has laid out for you. You know, even the Apostle Paul had a process they went to. So let, let's look at this dude. His name wasn't even Paul to start off with. As a matter of fact, he started off, his favorite thing to do was to kill Christians. His name was Saul. Well, while he was on the road to go kill some more Christians, he had a, an encounter with the risen Christ. Absolutely changed his life. Now, now Paul, like, he was a pretty smart dude. He was highly educated, highly politically connected. At that point in time, God changed his life. And he had the ability to go out, start teaching, start pre preaching, you know, get involved and do what he needed to do. But that's not what happened. So after his conversion, after Ananias came in and prayed for him, he went, into, he went into exile in Arabia for three years. We don't know exactly what he was doing, but he was gone for three years. Then when he came back, he thought he was ready. He went to Damascus. He preached his first sermon. It was so successful that people tried to kill him. Ran him out of town. I mean, come on. How's that for a, you know, disappointment? So he did the only thing that, that he could. He, he went back and joined the family business. And he made tents faithfully for eight years. And then finally Bar Barnabas came, came by and he was, you know, active with the local church and all that stuff. But Barnabas vouched for his character, vouched for his integrity. But the point is that there was a long span of about, you know, 12 years 
give or take a few, that, that Paul didn't do anything before he was ready for God to work through him and do the things that he needed to do. He had to go through that process. And I'm sure, just like me and you, it would be tempting at one time or another to, like, skip part of the process. I'm sure, you know, he woke up several mornings and he was like, I'm just going to go down to the corner and I'm just going to get a little preaching in this morning. But Paul submitted himself to the process. And that reminds me of a time when I, I wanted to do something so bad that I, I skipped several steps in the process and ultimately it, it ended up in, in utter failure. And I'll tell you about it because I want to. Like I said, when we were in Colorado, um, before we, we moved, or my family was in the process of moving back, uh, I, I stayed back and finished up some things at my job while Mary Beth came forward. So that left me all alone in Colorado over the summertime. So like any blue-blooded American male, I did what anybody would do. Get out in the woods and walk. So, man, I hiked everywhere. There's tons of places out there that they're doing. I'd gotten so good I could hike 11 miles in a day. No, no problem. I could go from, I had a trail that I would hike that I'd go from about 6,500 feet up to about 9,500 uh, feet. I was like in the zone, man. So I said, before I leave this state, I've got to climb a 14er. That's a 14,000 foot peak. So I said to myself, I said, okay, I've got to have something to kind of brag about here so it can't be really can't be, be too easy. You know, I got to make it difficult. So I found, I, I found a trail that I liked, and sure enough, it was rated difficult. The name of the mountain is Mount Quandary. It's right outside of Breckenridge, Colorado. The trail that you start up to the top starts off at about 10,800 feet, and the peak is at uh, 14,200 feet. So I said, yep, I'm going to do this. I'm in shape. Let's go. Got in my car one morning, got out super early, got to the trailhead at about 7 o'clock, snapped a selfie, and I got on up the trail. Well, I knew about, I knew about a mile in that I was in for a different experience when, when I, could, I could hear the blood rushing through my veins like audibly in my ears, like it was a sound. So I stopped for a minute and it quit. So I said, oh, I'm good to go. Let's press forward. So I did that. Then as I was taking one of my mini breaks along the way, uh, some hikers passed by and they were talking about how, oh, at this altitude, you're supposed to take an aspirin. And then the next altitude, you're supposed to take an aspirin. And man, I'm all out of aspirin, man. I don't have any, you know. So at that point, I thought to myself, maybe I'm a little ill-prepared here. I have plenty of water and food. That wasn't an issue. Well, I trudged on, and I got past the tree line around this trail, around the mountain. I could see it in my mind just as clear, clear as day. Got, got around to the top of the mountain, around the mountain, and you start the descent up the hill. And not only does the incline increase, like it gets rocky. Like, they call them the Rocky Mountains not because they're these huge granite outcroppings, but there's like little gravel rocks. It looked like somebody took a thousand truckloads of pea gravel and dumped it out on top of the mountain. So I said to myself, Self, you ain't doing this today. <laughs> I was already to the point. I couldn't go. I, I, I could walk about 100, 100 yards before I had to stop for five minutes to get used to altitude. So I, I said, okay, Mount Quandry, 
you've got me today, but I'll be back. The reason why I told that story was that there was a process that I needed to go through to better prepare myself for that hike, and I didn't do that. And because I didn't submit myself to that process, I absolutely failed, didn't reach my goal. And guys, when God calls us to do that thing that you know he wants you to do, it's a mountaintop you're going to have to reach. And there's going to be resistance all along the way. Just know that when you submit yourselves to doing the small and seemingly insignificant things that you don't like to do, you are conditioning yourselves to reach the summit of your mountain. You can't be afraid to say yes to something that God has put right in front of your face that you might not like to do 100%. It might not be your favorite thing in the world, but it's what God wants you to to do. But chances are when God presents those things to you, he's equipping you and doing a work in you that will allow him to accomplish the unimaginable in and through you later. So, Spirit's prompting, uncertain certainty, and predictable resistance brings us to the last thing, uncommon confidence to do what God has called you to do. Now, I think we can take a look at the Apostle Paul. We, we could say that he was confident in the face of adversity all along the way. <coughs> and I think that he was so confident because he had a very clear picture of what the why was, why he was doing what he was doing. This is what the Bible says, going back to Acts 20, 24. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now, what did Paul really accomplish in his life? Well, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He was responsible for planting churches all over Asia Minor. He went on missionary journeys. He brought the message of the gospel to the Gentiles. He absolutely changed history. As a matter of fact, you and I are sitting here today. <coughs> excuse me. We're sitting here today as a direct result of Paul's efforts. But that's not what he set out to do. All Paul wanted to do with his life was tell people about Jesus. And I believe it's because he had such an encounter with him on the Damascus road that it changed him completely. And Paul said that if I can change, if I can do this, anybody can. So he just wanted to tell people about Jesus. People beat him for it. He still told people about Jesus. People threw him in jail for years at a time. He told the guards about Jesus. You know, he was shipwrecked. He was snake bit. He told people about Jesus. You know, all the way up until the time of his death, he told people about Jesus. He he never stopped talking about Jesus. In his second letter to Timothy, which was the last letter that Paul wrote before he died, 
we find Paul in the dungeon of the Mamertine prison waiting to get his head chopped off. For what? For telling people about Jesus. We think our job's tough. This is what he wrote to Timothy, who was his son in the faith, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. In the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience. <coughs> Excuse me. With great patience and careful instruction. So Paul took a look. He surveyed all of his life. And he could have told Timothy anything. He could have said, sitting in, in, in the prison writing this letter by candlelight, it's not worth it. Just go on home. Go back to your mama. Go get a job. Go get a wife. Have a family. Do whatever you can. But don't do this. I had everything in this life. I've lost it all and I'm about to lose my head because of it. That's what he could have said. But that's not what he said. He was very clear, emphatic, and with as much encouragement as I think that he could muster. He said to preach the word. In other words, he was saying to Timothy that the process, whether it be the process of becoming who God wants you to be, or the process of stepping out on faith to do what God wants you to do, or the process of following Christ throughout this life until he calls you home. That process is all worth it. And you have to trust that process and be faithful in it. So in closing, I just want to say, if you guys want divine direction in your life, you have to trust the process that God has put you in right now. You know, you might not be where you want to be. You might not be doing what, God, what, what you want to do right now. But rest assured, you can still be who God wants you to be right now regardless of your circumstances. You know, everybody listening is in process somewhere. And at Canton Church, we exist because generations matter. And today, I want us to commit <coughs> excuse me, to help and encourage one another wherever we are in the process. You know, maybe you're like Timothy and you need wisdom from a mentor and encouragement along the way. Maybe you're like Paul, and you've got a wealth of wisdom and experience under your belt, and call, God is calling you to find a Timothy to pour into. Or maybe you're just saying, Matt, I'm still just wrestling with God, trying to figure out if I want to follow this Jesus guy. Well, here's the challenge. If you find yourself in your Paul, go find a Timothy. If you find yourself in your, your Timothy, don't wait for Paul to come find you. Go find your Paul. Whether you're a man or a woman, a teenager, doesn't matter. 
go find that person. And if you are here today, you're wrestling with whether or not to ask Jesus Christ into your life, friend, listen to me. Today is the day of salvation. If you're listening to this message and you're wrestling with that, the answer is yes, God wants, in, wants you to be in relationship with him and he's calling you into that. Don't wait until you're ready because that day won't ever come. Ask him into your heart today. Then what I want you to do is go tell somebody. Tell somebody, hear about it. Tell somebody that you trust that's, that, that's in the faith. or if we, we can help you with this. The point is, begin the discipleship process. And if you can't do it here, there's a number of places we can recommend to help you do that. But make that decision today. And we're going to pray. We're going to pray two prayers in closing. Uh, we're going to pray for salvation. And then I'm going to pray to encourage the Pauls and Timothys that are in the room. Everybody, every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking around, save myself. If you would say to me, Matt, I've been wrestling with the decision to give my heart to Christ, and today is that day I want to make the decision, will you go ahead and raise your hand? All right, you can put your hands down. Let's all pray this simple prayer together because we don't want anybody praying by themselves. Dear Heavenly Father, I realize that I'm a sinner. But Lord, I know that I have forgiveness in you. I lay my life down. Lord, I've come to the altar. Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. If you prayed that prayer, go and find somebody to tell and enter into a discipleship relationship. Now, let's pray for the Pauls and the Timothys. I'll pray here. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for the people in this room, the people listening online. God, I pray for the Pauls that are out there. God, I pray for the people that that might think that they don't have a lot to offer. God, that that they might think that they're, they're too old or they're not old enough, but God, that you've walked with them through the fires of process. God, they've been refined they are, they're gold. They might not be able to see it. Father, I pray that right now you would just give supernatural encouragement to their spirit. God, help them to stand up and be the leader that you have called them to be. Dear God, and I pray that you would just let them ju- just roam about looking for Timothys to pour themselves into. Dear Heavenly Father, and I pray for the Timothys in this room, the people that are starting things or they're, they're young, Father, and they, they need some help. Father, I pray that you would give them the encouragement to go out, ask, and seek for that help, that encouragement. Dear Heavenly Father, God, and I pray that you would help us to help them along their journey. Dear Lord, because ultimately, no matter where we're all going, we might be doing different things, but Father... We want your will to be done in our lives. We want to submit ourselves to your process. Help us to embrace it. Help us to finish what you've put in front of us, God, so that we can bring glory and honor to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga. 